Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 44, Great Day Hikes in Asia. In recent months, we've had guests on to talk about trekking in the Himalayas, and we've told a few stories that involve trekking, including some great hikes in New Zealand. That got us to thinking that exploring an area by foot is one of the best ways to truly see and experience a new place. Literally traveling at street level, you meet people along the way, see key sites, can try local foods and get some good exercise while exploring. On this episode, we'll share some of our favorite day hikes around the region that are ideal for you to try while traveling. Yeah, being based in a big city like Bangkok or Kuala Lumpur or Singapore or somewhere in Asia, even if you're traveling in the region, uh, sometimes getting out into the forest for a nature hike um, isn't something that is immediately accessible or available, or so you think. But uh, if you look around uh, wherever you travel, there tend to be some great little hikes here and there that can get you away from the tourist hordes and into some nature, which I think is very important for your well-being, especially when you're traveling. Yeah, so we are recording live in Bangkok together. I am Scott Coates and my trusty co-host... Trevor Range is here. Uh, we've done some hiking together, perhaps, but I think when we talk about Cambodia, we'll, we'll get into that. But yeah. in KL, you live near some great trekking or mountain biking trails. Yeah, yeah, hiking yeah. and biking trails. And we got out there on bikes. I don't know if you and I have actually really gone for a long hike together. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I mean, I've always enjoyed hiking. I think it's important for humans to be in nature. Yeah. It's, it's very like yeah. important to your soul and your mental well-being. Mm. And in the city, sometimes it can be so stressful. So it's so nice to just walk through the forest and listen to the birds. And Yeah. You know, like, and you know, for me, like, of course, in a perfect world, trees, forest is great. But I even find just getting out and walking. Like in January, uh, I stayed in Hu Hin and we recorded an episode down there. And I, I was like clock an eight 12 kilometer walk slash runs on the beach and i've even gone out walking here instead of running like walk 9 10k and you know just getting out like seeing other people do stuff seeing a bird even in an urban setting like i i think there are real positive effects to having a, a better connection with nature and and almost slowing down like i like to run but sometimes walking is actually better i find my brain just really kind of thaws out yeah and you know that made me think we don't talk about parks here but uh, mm. there's some great city parks in cities in asia and maybe yeah. we should do an episode on, on city parks sometime yeah you've hit the nail on the head before we get any further uh why don't we thank our sponsor trevor who i understand is a company you are very close to beervana yeah beervana is a craft beer importer and distributor um beervana brings rogue stone anderson valley deschutes Prairie, Kagua, Tuatara, Baird, and a number of other beers from around the world and distributes them throughout Thailand and soon in both Vietnam and Indonesia. Cool. Yeah, I like their beers and uh, 
I know you get some good rates and once in a while uh, you share a bottle or two with me and it's uh, it's a treat to have tasty beer in uh, this area. So yeah, if you need to find a craft beer near you, you can go to beervana.asia, which yeah. is the new website and that'll have all the information on what's happening in Vietnam and in Indonesia and of course here in Thailand. Sweet, I am thirsty. Well, let's get into some of uh, these hikes and you know, summer hikes, summer walks, the point is these are things that you could easily, if you're in a place for a day, take a few hours and get out and do, and they're ones we've enjoyed. So uh, what's the first one, Trevor? You know, I think the first one may be a bit more obvious perhaps, but uh, just because it's such a huge attraction, and uh, that would be the Great Wall of China. And when, when I was doing my fellowship with East West Center, and, and I just found out recently that you guys also did the trip out to the Great Wall. Yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah, um, We got to walk on parts of the wall that were generally off limits to most visitors, mm-hmm. and, and that was definitely one of the highlights of the China trip, just getting to be out there in the mountains on the Great Wall with, yeah. with no other people around. Um, I had no idea at first that like there's parts of the wall that are only two or three hours from Beijing. Mm-hmm. So if you happen to be in Beijing for like a few days or a week, it's not that difficult to, to take a bus or yeah. you know get a ride out to, to parts of the Great Wall. Um, I know that when we did get to the area where most tourists go, it was very crowded. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, we were talking about trying to find out the name of the village or maybe yeah. the, the organization that, that set us up with that. Yeah, I, I did it the year after and we spent the night sleeping out there before. But yeah, we were walking for probably a good two to three hours before we hit any other people. So we're going to make a Google map for this episode that'll show all the areas where we hiked and we'll we'll post the name of that actual town so you could take a car there and start walking from there. It was it was solid. Yeah. The other thing I don't know if you guys did, did you abseil? Like no. Rappel? Oh, that's no, awesome. No. We did some abseiling off one of the towers. Oh, uh, really? and, and supposedly, like, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett had done it with the huh. same outfit as well. Oh, cool. And, and so I think that was really cool. That, that adds a little bit more adventure to your Great Wall trek. Yeah, and I guess with the Great Wall, as long as you're with someone that knows where you can start and whatnot, you could kind of... You'll walk an hour, two hours, three hours, four, just kind of back it up as far as you want. But the, the sections we walked, I assume it's the same one you did, where it was just like literally hours with no other people. It was incredible. Yeah, and, and sometimes steep, and sometimes the wall was renovated or reconstructed, yeah. and sometimes it was older, and it's just a really magical experience. Yeah, cool. Well, my uh, hike is probably in my favorite place in Thailand, and it's a small town called Doi Mesalong. It's in Chiang Rai's northernmost province, uh, Chiang Rai, and it's a town that was settled by mostly Yunnanese people from China. So um, a lot of the people that lost the war, they went to Taiwan. Some regiments settled in northern Thailand, and this town is at about roughly 900 to 1,000 meters uh, it's famous for its terrace tea plantations. So every hillside you look at, it just has terrace tea. But it's great hiking, man. And there's a really nice 10K hike I like. Like, you'll have to ask a local a little bit. But basically, on this 10K loop, you'll walk through all kinds of tea plantations. You'll walk through some coffee plantations. You'll see spinach being grown, some corn, depending on times of year. And you'll pass by the edge of a couple tiny little Aka hill tribe villages. And and people are really don't mind you looking at what they're doing, watching them farm, even pop in for a little hello. But the, the quick one on it is if you go to the elementary school at the one end of town and you kind of walk there's a road behind the school walk and it turns into dirt and just follow that dirt path and you will end up um, just kind of walking along and down the top of a mountain ridge kind of away from town slowly slowly going down you'll eventually hit a t intersection you'll hit a little kind of not a major road it's a little country road turn left 
fall that road down a few minutes, it'll cross a little stream. You go up a few hundred meters and you turn left. Um, I hope you're taking notes We need here. a Google map for this one. Yeah, we need a Google map. And uh, you go through a pomelo farm and you just, you know, it sounds tough, but the one thing is there's this temple above the town and you can always see it. So like you can always see the temple above the town. So you could never really get like lost to the point you can't get back. So you basically, mm. you'll pass through this pomelo farm and you just keep following the main dirt track. It kind of traverses along and up the mountain, but there's 360 degree views the whole time. You walk down one mountain and you look over at the one you're going to walk up, but it's it's a great walk. There's never any other tourists out there. And, and to me, that's one of my favorite things. It's three to four hours, take two to three liters of water, depending on time of year. And uh, yeah, that's just to me one of the great, great walks. How long is how far is that from like Chiang Rai town? Uh, about seventy kilometers north uh, west by okay. road. Very good roads. Very exciting, windy roads. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, sticking on Thailand, uh, you're going to touch on one that I've done once uh, down in one of your favorite areas. Yeah, you know, I used to spend a lot of time down in Riley Beach in Krabi right, in southern right. Thailand, uh, which is where you got married a few years back. Yeah, yeah I did was, get married down great. there. You know, so uh, Riley Beach, uh, I've always been a big fan of the area. It's it's one of the world's most famous rock climbing areas. Yeah. Um, yeah. And. You know, again, compared to Hawaii, it might not be like the beaches aren't as spectacularly beautiful, but the landscape, there's the huge karst awesome. mountains and there's caves. And, and one of the nicest beaches there is actually right next to Princess Cave Beach. Yeah, it's yeah. sweet. So like Riley Peninsula, you need to take a boat to get out there. There's no roads. Right, yeah? right. And then there's four beaches that are interconnected by little walking pathways. And, yeah. And that's kind of fun just to walk from one beach to the other. Super you know? neat. But when you're walking from uh, West Riley or even East Riley to get to, to Princess Cave Beach, yeah, um, you pass by an area where it's really common for rock climbers to climb. Yeah. Um, and then just past that, right before you get into the caves, there there's like this really steep incline on your left hand side and there's right. kind of a rope dangling down in between like some trees and stuff like that yeah and and even when i was out last night with some rock climbers who spent a lot of time in krabi none of them had done the hike or anything and how strange what i think is that there's not really a sign for it there there's just that rope hanging there might be like a little sign with just an arrow that's pointing up it's small like i've walked past it a bunch of times yeah. before i noticed it and it's quite steep like it's it's kind of sketchy like and, and i think what happens is people who are not climbers they are scared to go up something with a rope because they think that's for rock climbers yeah and then i think the rock climbers are busy rock climbing around the corner so they yeah. don't want to go up this but but if you pull it's only the first five minutes that's kind of sketchy and you have to use the rope or hold yeah. on to trees and stuff like that um, but it takes you right up to the top above where the rock climbers climb. Right. And you have this spectacular view of, of the, the bays to the north of you. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then you said that you went down this other way, but there's a <laughs> there's a little lagoon. It's kind of a, a tide pool. It's called Princess Lagoon. Yeah. And it's like inside the mountain. There's like a tide pool. Yeah. And uh, I, I have never climbed all the way down to the water because I just mm. climbed down far enough to, you said there's that kind of steep ledge, right? Yeah. And, and you could sit there and you could look at the pool. I don't think you need to go all the way down. Yeah, I only did it once. It was many years ago. And I think it was one of those things like we went up to the viewpoint, which is totally worth it. That's the hike. And that's where you should probably stop. Yeah. But then you drop down. And, and it's if you were a climber, it'd be no problem going to the lagoon. But it's probably four meters of just a face down. And, and mm. so like I kind of climbed down. But then... Going back up, I realized, like, yeah, you know, it's a couple meter fall, but it's a fall onto rock and stuff. So, like, yeah, yeah I'd stick with the viewpoint. Forget the lagoon. Yeah, I don't even think you'd want to twist an ankle or a wrist or something because you have to get back down that steep incline. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. So, and, and it, I don't know, it's... 
you know, there's lots of nice things to do in Riley Beach, but this is a great little viewpoint, and uh, I don't know, I just like that hike. Yeah, it's it's solid. It was it was neat. Definitely, the view is is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the next one, we're going to go to uh, the neighboring country of Cambodia. And I, for some reason, whenever I've gone to the Angkor Historical Park, I've kind of gained an affinity for circumnavigating the outer walls of complexes. And I I still can't figure out exactly why. But um, this hike I'm going to give you is about 16 kilometers. It's a bit of a long one, but you can easily shave it down to 12. And then you could actually break that 12 down into 3K chunks. Mm -hmm. So let me explain. So you start at the east gate of Angkor Wat and you just head north on the very very outside of the big moat and there's a dirt track you'll see a, a footpath right the east gate the back you mean the front side is the west and... uh well yeah everyone goes to the west so go over to the east gate okay. right and the outside of the moat so you're not crossing over in Angkor on the outside of the moat yeah. and just start walking north along the outside of the moat on the dirt track then you'll hit the northeast corner, mm-hmm. turn left, and walk towards the northwest corner. Mm-hmm. And it's really neat kind of standing way out there. Like, And a couple times you can see the big top of Angkor sticking out. Mm-hmm. And there'll be a few Kamea people out there, maybe like sitting and having a picnic, yeah. talk with a lover or something. And when you get to the northwest corner, then you'll see the paved road, which heads north to the city of Angkor Thom. So just walk out to the road, and you walk like a K and a half along that road, and you come to the southern gate of Angkor Thom. Now, Angkor Thom, that city is probably most famous for the Bayon Temple, which has, you know, hundreds and hundreds of Buddha faces. But the city is surrounded by a 12-kilometer wall, which is 8 meters thick. And I guess, geez, I don't know, 10 meters high? It's pretty high? Yeah, it depends. It's funny. On the inside, it, it's filled in a lot more. So yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. But basically, each side is 3 kilometers long, and there's a gate on each side. One side has two gates. But just when you go in that southern gate, just turn left and immediately you'll see a dirt path that goes up on top of the wall and just start walking clockwise around the wall. And it's super quiet up there. It's really well treed, so you don't really have to worry about getting burnt by the sun. And on each corner atop, there's a little temple too. So you get to each corner and there's a little temple. And like, I think the most people I've ever seen is maybe like six Kamea people. Usually at that uh, southwestern little temple corner, people go there to sometimes watch the sun go. But just keep following the wall. And, you know, each time you get to a gate on each side, it's really incredible, man. You come up to, you know, the Buddha face Mm. sticking out. You walk down the dirt path down to the gate and back up the other side and you know if you get tired you could just at any one of those four gates you know flag down a a tuk-tuk and get a ride back to town but it's 12k around but man that uh that's really nice and to give you an idea of time um you know i have a little gps watch and i know that if i'm walking i'm not the fastest walker but if i walk deliberately it's about 5k an hour now i'd always heard people can walk 6k an hour but for me five so like this thing's 16k with all of it if you only did Angkor Tom, it's 12. So, you know, you're looking at, you know, three, four hour hike, take lots of water, but it's solid. But I think you could do it in just chunks as well. And, mm. and I've recommended that before. I mean, I, I think it's a great hike in large part because the Angkor Archaeological Park is one of the few areas in Cambodia that still has forest. Yeah, lots you know? of trees. And, uh, and and Angkor is a very touristy place. Yeah. And so this is a really easy way to get away from the tourists and enjoy yeah. some like nature. Um, but like I even think like yeah you could come from the south 
You could have your tuk-tuk, if you hired a tuk-tuk for the day, drop you off there. That's a great one. And then I would even think walk east around to the Gate of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. And and have your tuk-tuk pick you up there, you know? Yeah. And and then that's like, it's not even a quarter. Yeah, that's the nice thing about this hike is, I mean, you could just walk the outer moat of Angkor Wat and leave it at that. Or you could do the whole thing I've described, or you could do any of the three-kilometer chunks. Basically, gate to gate is always 3K. Yeah. But yeah, for me, you get away from the crowds. And I love kind of stepping back from it all, literally. And looking at it from afar and yeah, thinking about, sure. like, all the work that went into it. It's nice. It, it is good. It gives you a unique perspective. Like, get away from all the tourists. I, I, I introduce you to Tani Temple. Yeah, yeah that's in the great. forest. That's awesome. Um, there's a lot of forests. There's a lot of little random smaller temples that are here and there in the park that are great to, to walk around to. Yeah, you like a hike kind of north of there in an area where they carved some stuff in the river, right? Yeah. if you Like, everybody nowadays... Well, pretty much always has gone to uh, Bentay Srey, which is that pink sandstone temple with the really ornate uh, yeah. carvings. And near there is a, a place called Cabal Bien. Yeah. And that's the river of a thousand lingas. Mm. And uh, in the Siem Reap River, where the water flows down from the, the hills to Angkor, they made carvings into the rocks in the river in order to make the water holy or sacred before yeah, it flows down to the temple. It's really yeah. cool. And and they, they did like a thousand lingas. They're like phallic carvings in the stones. But there's yeah. also a, a reclining Vishnu. Uh, there's, uh, you know, deer and other like crocodile carvings and stuff like that but one of the things i like about it is just that you know it, it's a 10 15 minute walk through the forest up yeah. to the carvings yeah, a kilometer and a bit yeah. nice forest and yeah it's just it's nice to get out in, in the forest i think yeah. it, it breaks up the routine of a lot of these temples are exposed to the sun and, yeah. and you cook and and it's nice to go to Kabalspian uh, just to, to get out into the woods. And that reminded me just in general for, for anyone traveling anywhere around Asia, there's lots of waterfall hikes. Like waterfalls are one of the best hikes I think you can do. And, yeah. And let's take Erewhon Falls, which is a, you know, in Thailand here is a whole destination. But it, on Koh Samui, I've been to a number of waterfalls. I don't even know what the names of them are. I was just yeah. like, hey, I'm going to go to a waterfall. Yeah. And then there's usually a trail that leads from the bottom of the waterfall up towards to the, the top, the top yeah. of it. Or there's a series of waterfalls. So in Luang Prabang, in Laos, uh, there's a couple of waterfalls there that have some great uh, treks associated with them and then i like these waterfalls because it's where local people hang out yeah and so it's a really good way to to get to meet some local people they're drinking beers on ice and uh you know it's it's kind of a cool cultural experience i think when you do the waterfall hikes yeah it's a it's a good tip uh, just to seek out waterfalls there is usually always a footpath and now being mr safety with my safety hat on here you know the one thing is over the years i have slipped and had a couple people slip and need minor stitches but like doing waterfall hikes often you're walking on wet rocks and they are slippery so like i know it's a bit of pre-planning but if you can even remember like pharmacies in asia sell stuff really cheap like pick up a couple rolls of gauze and a thing of tape and like a thing of iodine and throw it in your bag just because you know any of these hikes really if you get out there and you slip and fall you don't want to be just gushing blood it's at least good to be able to like wrap yourself up for a little bit and i mean it's only a few bucks worth of stuff i know you got to plan ahead but it's really worth carrying especially on some waterfall hikes yeah that's a good point scott and and i have been on some treks and i've been in like i was on a trek in sumatra that was like a multi-day pretty hardcore adventure thing and on the first day one of the i was only with one other woman she slipped and put a puncture in her arm it was 
it was it, we had to abort our trip basically but you know you're in asia you're in the wild like mm. it's good to have some first aid with you yeah. you know um and good shoes and stuff like that obviously mosquito mm. repellent uh you know there's dengue fever yeah, there's malaria yeah, yeah. in different parts of the region uh, and and i noticed like one time we were trekking on Tao going up to the lookout there yeah and there was literally like five thousand mosquitoes around us Ugh. like and and yeah they they have malaria there. I don't know if they still do, but I was glad to have put on mosquito repellent before that trip. So. You know, as, as you're touching there, we were going to talk about island hikes like this. Maybe we just segue right into that is that, you know, a lot of islands have hikes and, and with the safety thing, like you'll maybe you can throw a bit about the hikes. But anytime you go out on hikes, like take more water than you think you drink. Like, mm. you know, you're walking in the land of plus 30 degrees and humid. If you think like, oh, a liter and a half's all right. Take, take double. The thing is too, is if you lose the trail, you're out longer. If you get injured, you're out longer. Like it's always better to walk back with some water in your bag than the other way around. And you'll sweat tons and you can't drink too much water. So take extra water, even a little snack, like take some sticky rice, take a candy bar, mm. like, you know, just plan a bit better than you would at home. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, getting lost. That's another thing. I mean, some of these treks aren't well marked. This isn't the U S or Canada where there's no, you know, really well marked trails. Um, there's snakes, you know, like there, there are some dangers to some yeah. of this trekking. So, you know, like be prepared. You're not going to have cell phone reception everywhere, but you know, bring it with you if you have it just in case, yeah. uh, you know, some of these treks, if it rains, like the, the monsoon rains can come in very suddenly. Yeah, that and, changes uh, everything. Everything. Yeah, yeah, it's much easier to get lost in the rain. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So, so one of yours was island hikes, and I mean, I think that's a really good point. I hadn't heard, I thought of is that most islands do have trail to here to there. Like I know I always used to love Koh uh, Samet, which is at the top of the Gulf of Thailand. You can basically go beach to beach to beach. You'll get to the end of the beach. There's a little track through the forest to the next beach, and that's fun. And then I know you said you've done some good hiking on Koh Rong in southwestern Cambodia. Yeah, there was, a, and and that was before it kind of blew up, and now it's really popular. So maybe this trek is a little bit better. But uh, from the main beach where like all the lodging and the boat pier is, um, there's a trail across to the other side of the island to, to Broken Hearts Beach. That's what it was called back okay, in the day. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was barely a trail. Hmm. Um, and, and me and this guy went over there. And you get over to that Broken Hearts Beach and it's gorgeous. I hmm. mean, the beach is, is beautiful and it's totally worth it. But I was nervous about the, the trek back because it looked like some rain was coming in. And I was Oof. like, I didn't know if it was going to be possible to even yeah. do the trek back in the rain you know yeah so you know the, the doing this isn't without some risk um you're mentioning treks like kosamet like kopangan kopangan is a great place to trek yeah. from beach to beach yeah. um pp island there's a great viewpoint on and stuff and, sure and those places are probably a little bit safer and even safer or -er might be doing some trekking in uh, singapore yeah how's that yeah just before we get to singapore actually i'll throw in one thing here is that like when you're hiking on islands like if the trail starts to fade, don't go further. Like there was a story just in March of what we're in 2016, Kosamui, two people went off on a, like a simple couple hour hike. They got lost. They had to send a search party out for them. I know people have gone missing in islands of Malaysia. Like got to have that extra respect for the islands and, and territory. Like you said, it can start raining. But um, yeah, so just keep that in mind when you go. And now you mentioned Singapore and, you know, I was just there uh, last week. It was the Songkran Thai New Year's here. We took a break, went back and saw my wife's family. And, you know, I was really, really impressed with uh, the, the trail network in Singapore. They have 
it doesn't hook the whole country up yet, but they've kind of built park to park. You can almost connect things. And the downtown skyline is really futuristic now in, in Singapore. Between the Opera House, the Marina Bay Sands, the Gardens by the Bay, the big Ferris wheel, like they have some great buildings. And you can really get out and do a nice walk and see it from multiple angles. Hmm. I think starting maybe like 5, 6 p.m., with you know the last hour of sun and watching day turn into night is good but a good way to start and we'll put this map online too is go to the clark k uh, mrt station and it's along the singapore river and from here walk east along the southern bank of the river and this is going to take you down to the fullerton hotel and then there's a, a footbridge you just cross north over the river and then you hang a right and you'll see the singapore flyer which is their great big ferris wheel mm-hmm. so you walk towards that and then you just keep going and next thing you're walking literally um at the f1 track area which is pretty cool. Then keep going, you'll go under a massive bridge, which is called the ECP Bridge. And the next bridge down about K and a half further is Merdeka Bridge. Here, just go up and cross over the bridge and you'll be at the indoor stadium. The new indoor stadium is absolutely gorgeous. It opens up and it's a really cool, nice area. And from there, you'll see a little bridge that goes back over another river. So you walk over that pedestrian bridge, turn right, and you'll walk along water and you'll follow kind of along some residential areas and keep going and you'll basically see the end of land ahead a couple kilometers which is called the barrage which are pumps that pump everything out of the city so you walk to the end you cross over to the barrage and now you'll see gardens by the bay which are these big famous um they're they're famous fake trees but at night around 7 and 8 p.m they actually have a light show on them so like i said if you start at like 5 p.m kind of walk you can get there for the seven o'clock show and you walk through the gardens by the bay area and then from there you'll come to the marina bay sands turn left and just follow it to the left along the water and you'll end up coming out by the merlion which is sort of this famous little statue of singapore Mm. from here cross back over the river on the pedestrian bridge turn left and now you're walking north along the river back towards clark k which has restaurants and bars and i'd say that's all probably about 10k but it's nice it's easy it's flat you can have some snacks along the way even and you just get really good vantage points of the city huh again i like that i mean i've spent a bit of time in singapore and it is a very scenic place and i Mm. I think it is very pedestrian friendly right so it would be cool to have this on on a map um, yeah. to, to show you like a little walking tour and city. all of that is on track that's dedicated to bike and feet like yeah. no cars yeah no cars so yeah, yeah it, it was really nice you know i like the whole idea of like you know good urban planning that that's designed for pedestrian and bicycle access and I, we've been talking about having a Dave on to talk about that his hiking trip in Hong Kong. Yeah. And and that sounds awesome that you can do like hiking and camping in Hong Kong, which you wouldn't wouldn't think about. Yeah, we'll get to that down the road. Um, So this next one, I I just, I don't know. It's it's a destination that lots of people don't necessarily get to. It's it's kind of a bucket list place going to Borneo, you Mm -hmm. know? And and I think like if you're going to go to Borneo, you should go to the middle of the jungle and see orangutan and right. flying lemur. A flying lemur almost tried to pee on us. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, was, it was crazy. We were out in the wilderness, uh, me and my ex-girlfriend, Nat, and, and we stayed in, in the middle of the jungle where we got to really see wildlife. Um, but it's easy enough to fly into Kota Kinabalu, okay. which is a part of Malaysia. Right. It's, uh, it's on the island of Borneo, Sabah. right? Yeah, Sabah yeah. province on, on Borneo. And... Uh, they filmed The Survivor just off the coast of Kota Kinabalu. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but Kota Kinabalu is kind of a charming little town. And near Kota Kinabalu is Mount Kinabalu. Right. Um, which is, a, is quite a famous hike because it's this very picturesque peak. Yeah. It has that really pointy 
lava rock. Yeah, it's kind of, quite weird looking. Yeah. And I know a number of people have climbed that. And that's uh, almost 4,100 meters. Yeah. And it's totally exposed lava rock up at the top. Yeah. And I think you just kind of do it for... for to get the t-shirt that says I conquered yeah. Mount Kinabalu. But you know, it's a good it's a good challenging trek, I've heard, you know? Yeah. Um, but we stayed at the lodge, which was near the National Park headquarters, which is only okay. at, at 1,500 meters. Okay. And near the, the National Park headquarters, there's a bunch of different day trek, little like loops and, and interconnected series of trails okay. um, that go through the forest. And Borneo is one of like the oldest jungles in the world, you know, and it's just beautiful trees, beautiful like butterflies, all sorts of like wild flowers and caterpillars and God knows what we saw. You know, I got some great great photos, you know, so just to drive from Kota Kinabalu up to the to the to the National Park headquarters is only several hours, like two or three hours, maybe. And then you can do some treks like around there. That are really beautiful. You don't need necessarily need to go to the top of uh, Mount Kinabalu. Okay, that sounds good because I've actually heard the hike up is like a lot of concrete stairs, and then you have to stay in a hut at the top apparently, and yeah. it's like one choice of huts, and it's kind of expensive. So that sounds like a neat suggestion for a way to experience Kinabalu area without you know paying all the cash to go to the top and just staying a bit lower. Yeah, and then I mean we ended up going around the island a bit. There, I think it was called Jim's Lodge or something like that. There's a hmm. there's an eco lodge that's near the Proboscis Monkey area. Okay. Okay. Um, but then I think it's Sandakan is the town. Yeah. And we ended up taking a plane from Sandakan back to Kota Kinabalu. Oh. And that actually doesn't go high enough to go over the mountains. It goes in oh. between them. It like kind of follows the roads. Oh, like that, that's epic too. So that's not necessarily a hike. But if you're going to go there, uh, you know, I, I think going to the Kinabalu region is really beautiful. Um, so it's worth doing a hike up there. Um, and you can always just do it as a day trip or you could spend a night in the, the lodging at the headquarters, which was a bit nicer. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to put us in the forest for my next one as well. And this one is in Kathmandu, Nepal. Like Nepal's famous for big, long treks. But, you know, maybe you don't have the time or the interest in going out for, you know, five days a week or two weeks. So if you're in Kathmandu and, and you want to have a good hike, head to the north end of the city, just out of the north end of Kathmandu, and you'll come to Shivapuri National Park. And uh, I had a friend that lived up on the mountain here. So you could do it one of a couple ways. You can either drive up a little ways and and start partway up the mountain or start right at the National Park gates on the north end of town. And you can walk to the top of uh, Shivapuri National Park, to the top of the mountain there. Now you're looking at probably six to eight hours to the top and back probably 15 kilometers round trip. It's not like there can be good views at the top depending on time of year, but it's really quiet through the forests. I saw a number of deer while we were doing it. Apparently there's some other wildlife out there and you'll pass through some villages too. Like the, we went through a, a Tamang village. They're an ethnic group in Nepal, but um, yeah, it was, it was neat, but you are looking at about a thousand meters of vertical. So, you know, make sure that you're reasonably fit when you, when you go and take a guide because there is one main path and some of it's even concrete stairs. But if you go with a guide, the nice thing is that they'll know alternative paths because there's just paths everywhere and so we went up one way and then he took us through the forest back through another way on very small footpath and then of course if you hit a village guide's able to explain a bit more introduce you to some people but i thought that was a real nice full day if you're in Kathmandu and you're craving a, a nice day hike 
Yeah, I still got to make it over there because, again, when we talked to uh, Mads, it was Mads we talked to in Nepal after yeah. the earthquake, right? Yeah. And he was just telling us about the diversity of tra- terrain throughout the, the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of cool because Kathmandu, I, I understand, is a fairly large city. Yeah. Um, but it's got accessible nature yeah. nearby. Yeah, you know? right there. The, the, the city is in a valley surrounded by a ring of mountains, so it's easy to get to. Awesome. Well, let's do one more to round us out, and this seems like uh, the perfect, easy chill walk slash hike and we were both on this beach back in january and that is uh in the greater huihin area just go south of huihin to uh takiep beach and takiep means chopstick and there's a little kind of rocky hill at the end of the beach but if you start at the hilton go to the hilton hotel in huihin walk out to the beach it's a gong show right there. There's tons of people selling stuff. It's not that nice. Mm-hmm. But just start walking south along the beach. And you'll see way off in the distance, Takiep Hill with a big boot image on it. And that is about five and a half kilometers away. So you know what? The great thing about the beach there is it's super flat. Yep. So like when the tide goes out, there's heaps of area to walk on. No angle. So it's flat. You can hike. You can, you can walk. You can run on it. And the it's quite firm, so it's a really nice surface. The sand is smooth and clean, so you can go bare feet. But I just like to walk from one end of the beach way down to the other end and back. And that's a really nice one. I know you were staying with me down there on that beach for a bit. Yeah, I haven't done that hike. Um, I mean, we walked down the beach. I, I did it almost all the way to the end. There was a right. big inflatable Pokemon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I haven't hiked up to the temple in many, many years. Um, but uh, it's not that big of a hill. Yeah. No, and, no. and there's a little restaurant, cafe or something up at the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's probably got a nice view, a nice breeze up there. Yeah. Um, I've always liked that that area of Hawaii just because it's a little bit quieter than the, yeah. the main part of town. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great area. Yeah, and you know, obviously the tide changes, you know, throughout the year, so it's not always out in the evening. But for me, it's ideal if it's out in the evening. Man, head out there, you know, about four o'clock or so, and uh, yeah, just stroll it. And then if you want one more, the next beach south is uh, is a really nice one too. It's called Kautau, and it's called Kautau because apparently it looks like a turtle. So again, you know, just start at the northern end of the beach, and that one down and back is 12 and a half K, and it's even quieter. But both of those, man, those are really solid, nice, long beach walks. Yeah, really nice. So... I think we got a pretty good array of, of walks and hikes here. We have legitimate hikes in forests. We've got beach walks. We've got urban ones. Uh, yeah, I think all those are pretty solid. Yeah, and I still like the idea of sometime doing a, an episode on, on parks, city yeah, parks. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, you know, I mean, you're in these concrete jungles, and, and there are some nice green spaces. And it's, and it's yeah. becoming more popular to to ride bicycles and, and to do walking and yeah. hiking and stuff like that. Um, and again, like I said, like I think it's important to get away from people, to get away from all the concrete and steel and, mm. and get out into the, to the forest and reconnect with nature. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we'll, we'll post uh, in some cases just where these hikes are and other ones will try and trace the route for you. Mm. A good little tip that I I've used uh, is if I don't have a local data package, but I have my phone with me is now you can download a lot of Google maps offline, mm. which are nice. Or even just call up the area you're going on a map before you leave Wi-Fi. And even without a SIM card or local data, it, your phone will still show you where you are on that map. Yeah. So open it up before you go. And then at least if you go out on one of these urban walks like the Singapore one or something, you know, you can see exactly where you are if you get a little confused. But uh, yeah, these are tried and true. We've done them all. We can vouch for them. Um, man, I want to get out there and do them again. Yeah, too bad uh, we'll be stuck in the city here for a little while longer. <laughs> yeah, I'm headed down to Bali next week. There's uh, some great 
like trekking in, in Bali, um, just little temples here and there, you know, that are off the beaten path. It's such a hilly island. Okay. Know? So, uh, I don't know, you know, we, we should do a Bali 201 sometime too, because we sure. do Bali 101, which yeah. uh, Josh listened to right before he went. I got to get down there yeah, finally before we do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, great chat, man. And uh, I think we've come up with another good future episode. So, uh, this is Scott Coates saying thank you for listening, and I'll turn it over to Trevor to walk us out. Yep, thanks everyone for listening once again, and uh, we'll be back two weeks with a guest. I'm not sure who our guest is in two weeks. Surprise, surprise. Ooh, so it's, it's a big surprise. It should yeah. be a very special guest uh, with all sorts of insight on talking travel in Asia. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Tom and Kevin?